0: Welcome to Pi Data Manchester, episode two. Today we're talking to Liam Wilson from Capcard Associates, an independent technology recruitment company. If you're in data in Manchester or Edinburgh, chances are you already know Liam as one of the organizers of Mancomel, and also the sponsor of Pi Data Manchester and Pi Data Edinburgh. From what we've seen of Liam and Cathcart Associates is that they have a better understanding of what data science actually consists of and give back to the communities they're part of. Liam, is there anything else you want to add to that? Um, better introduction uh, to you or to Cathcart?
1: Uh, no, it's a really good summary. Um, so personally, I've been in tech recruitment since two thousand twelve. Um, had a year in Australia in between that. Uh, that's for another podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I've been recruiting for data science, or data analytics roles in Manchester since 2015. Um, and yeah, Cathcart Associates, we're an independent tech recruiter. Um, it's actually our 10th birthday this year. Um, Thank you. So we've got headquarters in Edinburgh, um, further in Manchester, which I look after. Uh, I one in Bangkok as well, um, which we could probably do another podcast on.
2: But yeah that is a little bit um, out of the blue there,
1: how come you've got enough to in common? Um, one of our consultants was moving over there to marry uh, his fiance. he was going to leave potentially mm. uh, and the guys asked him what he was going to do and he said he was going to work for another recruitment company um, so they said do you want to just set one up. Um, it's really cool and um, they work with like the biggest companies in the world, like literally. Mm. Like they hired iOS devs for Starbucks and uh, like McDonald's and Triumph Motorcycles, like companies we would never ever work with in the UK. <laughs> um, but the salaries are so low and the kind of the culture is so difficult, um, from what I know. Not managed to go out there yet.
2: Yeah, so I guess um, kind of the first place to start is a lot of people um, working in data science and people trying to get into data science probably be familiar with, with Reclusus, possibly with Dirty Work. And I'm, we're trying to get past it today. Um, so it's kind of like so, so we can try to, not not you so much. Other people may have bad impressions of recruiters. What is it you do on day to day? Uh, a lot of the bad impressions are
1: probably merit. Uh, you guys will know more than everybody else, I imagine. Um, is an industry where there's a lot of kind of corner cutting and kind of backstabbing. I feel like. Um, one of the things we try and do where we work um, is just kind of be uh, honest uh, and just like normal normal folk, really. I think recruiters have a bad image of kind of being like wheeler dealers. Um, I don't want to say used car sales people because they get a bad rap as well, to be honest. Um, but recruitment is really difficult because you're, you're selling um, you're selling people. It's not like it's a kind of Product that's never going to change. You get people changing their mind, there's lots of competition. Um, so, day to day, in my position, actually, I run our team in the north of England, so there's like seven or eight recruiters, um, and then help them with growing the business as well. Um, but from the kind of data perspective, is looking uh, for companies that need a help when it comes to hiring data analytics staff, um, and then working with those candidates and trying to kind of educate both parties on the market and what um, what they could do, um, what other people are doing from a competitive point of view. Um, and also a lot of the, my time now is with stuff like out um, It might not seem like it on the night, for in time of being a well built machine, uh, but it takes a bit of time to look at that and make sure we've got everything organised and in place. Um, and then I suppose just kind of learning more about what's going on in technology as well. Um, since I've started, it's changed completely. So. Um, I think just making sure I know what's going on and um, trying to, I mean at the end of the day we're selling something so that's the results from it. Um, but I just trying to, try to do a good job really.
2: you raise a lot of interesting points. I mean one of the things that strikes me right away is there's a data scientist. it's hard to stay like on top of every, um, all the new technologies, all the new techniques, all the different ways of adding value and how people are using data science. Um I feel like it must be even more difficult when you're not a data scientist yourself. Um, yeah. As in you don't use the tools and everything.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's lots of questions. Uh, I suppose the main reading and everything you can do on data science is always the very kind of glamorous, like, um, like head of, like, I don't know, on Google's front page, like, all their. Techniques or stories or cool things that data science might be able to do. Um, the stuff that I actually find more interesting is speaking to companies in, in Manchester and Edinburgh and working out like why do they want to be involved in this kind of world of, of data science? Um, so in as uh, like a fashion company or um, like a compare the market kind of marketplace. Um, what, what are they actually doing and how it all actually works? So a lot of stuff that actually affects me. On a day-to-day basis, when I'm searching the internet or why things get recommended to you, that's kind of where I want to learn a bit more about it, um, rather than the kind of driverless cars and all the cool stuff that's I don't know, you know X amount of years away.
3: I mean, there's a lot of hype, isn't yeah, there, in the language around data and data yeah. science, and, and it's hard to to not to to see what's hype and what's reality. Um, and what's achievable today and what's uh, exaggerated. Um, so how do, you, how do you protect yourself and others from that? <laughs> how do you see through that?
1: I think part of that, from a recruitment consultant's point of view, and I suppose from any sort of like strategic level position in a company, uh, is where the kind of honesty and the questions come into it. So when we're kind of quote-unquote qualifying a job with a, a client, it's kind of asking what are they, these people actually doing? What's the what's the kind of, not pipe dream, but what's the, the kind of real, that would be the most amazing thing ever if we could achieve that in two years time type project. But also what is the person gonna do on Monday when they start? And is the reality that they're gonna come into the messiest like data where it's all over the company, nobody really knows what they do, everyone saves things somewhere else, everyone uses different files. Like. That type of work, if you can be honest with someone, that's sometimes a good challenge, um, and people might be interested in it. Um, and then there is lots of there's lots of kind of noise in Manchester with companies who, I suppose, profess to be the coolest company or doing the most amazing data science work when it's in reality more kind of old school business intelligence maybe yeah um, for sure. and we've, we're going to hopefully have a talk at one of the Mancum Elements maybe even PyData about the kind of like full data scientist where they're hired and they're the head of data science at X company
2: the trophy data scientist
1: it's a trophy yeah. data scientist yeah it's a really good way of looking at it and yeah they're the head of data science on their LinkedIn profile and they've got all the they've got all the tech they've got all the models they've got all the experience but what they're actually doing is just kind of glorified I don't know Kind of business intelligence data analytics Where well, they're not doing any machine learning they're not doing any not doing anything particularly interesting but they've mm-hmm. got this grand title and those are the jobs that uh, we would try and steer people away from probably mm-hmm. um because more often than not those people are back on the job market in six months because it's just too it's too dull yeah
2: there's definitely a trope with um, a lot of companies isn't this just, just uh, Manchester, not a lot of companies that a board member or whatever oh, data science, that's cool, artificial intelligence. will spend a bunch of money bringing
1: someone in and then we'll completely know and all one. Right. Yeah. Um, which is not a great place to be. I'm sure I posted on um, our Twitter page that 40% of companies who profess to be AI companies don't have any AI. Mm. So it might be more than that. It was something like that. Um, and there's companies, I mean, the, one of the people that has been at out before works for a data science company but they had no data pipeline they had no AI they had no machine learning models they had they, they, their big claim was kind of NLP like uh, kind a of really uh, sophisticated NLP engine and they didn't have any,
3: didn't no. have anything
1: <laughs> and that was their big selling point to investors and they're getting for argument's sake say they're getting 10 million quid for a data science company mm. when they're really just a tech company yeah. with, was, with lots of data I was called this like
0: I call this reading the blog post where a company reads the one blog post that says like how we upped conversion from 2% to 5%. And the pitch at the bottom is just, you just need a data scientist and they'll do all this like magic work when they come in. And it sets that expectation so high that a company can hire one person, change the whole company, and sometimes they can, but it sort of it expects that that company is already ready to even be doing any data science or machine learning when sometimes they might not have even been collecting data or structuring data. And so we always, you know, you always hear people complaining about data science jobs be just data munging or visualization or analytics. And uh, it was someone from Peak, I can't remember, who talked to Mike and He was saying people always complain like that's the job. Yeah. But that is the job. That's what we're doing now. We're the people that are trying to come into these companies and show that there could be a valuable product here if you'll actually invest in it.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of the data scientists that I've worked with or spoken to, they you almost have to kind of Grab the role and turn it into what you maybe think a data scientist does because a lot of companies buy into the hype and they get artificial intelligence, or one of the competitors got kind of amazing results from forecasting or something like that. Um, so you have to kind of take the role a little bit and find the data or manipulate it in such a way that you can kind of get the buy in. You might not have it straight away, um, but if you can show the marketing team or the finance officer of this amazing thing you can do if only you had a bigger data science team or more like access to better technology or whatever it might be, it doesn't really make a difference, but if you can kind of have the Gravitas to do that as a data scientist, you'll probably be in a quite good place.
2: So I've, I've definitely found, um, especially you remark about having Gravitas to um, to get the business to get on board with um, new findings, whatever. I find that to be a really important part because It'd be lovely if we could just focus on the data science, just focus, focus on computers, uh, because computers are relatively easy compared to dealing with people. But so often it's a case of saying, OK, we can do this and this can make the business for money, but then you've got to um, you've got to go and actually speak to the, the people who are in charge of how the business works, how the business processes work. Um, and it almost turns into a, like a business transformation type project, which is not what I've ever signed up for. Um, um, a naive, perhaps, but yeah. Is it, I mean, I don't think there's any questions. Well, no, 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 I, think, just... I
3: think people do underestimate the importance of being able to communicate with people and to understand mm. what the what the needs are of people within the company and what people what the company want to achieve with their customers and clients outside. So it's only when we pop when we as data scientists or data analysts fully understand the needs Mm -hmm. can we create what they want Mm -hmm. and make it meaningful and have value to the company so yeah i think people underestimate the the value of communication skills and people's skills hugely they shouldn't be like that
1: yeah no i totally agree it's actually there's lots of parallels with recruitment um with that because you'll have a, a problem in a company and The hiring manager, whoever that might be, has maybe identified the need for a data scientist. But then for that to be approved, you have to go through 10 layers of management to get to the decision. And then we have to then, we hear the problem from hiring manager, hopefully we can solve it. But then is there, what else do we have to get to to agree terms with that company or what's the interview process or what? What other challenges do they have, essentially, when it comes to recruiting? Which is one of the reasons a lot of our companies that we work with are kind of tech SMEs, because you're normally dealing with less people. Mm -hmm. Um, The the kind of experience we have had with really, really big companies, I imagine it would be similar to joining as a data scientist or a software engineer. It would just take so long to get anything done. Mm -hmm. And it must be super frustrating if you work in data to be able to kind of spot something that could be fixed really, really quickly. But you have to speak to your manager, who then speaks to his boss, and then it gets signed off by the board in Japan. Like it would just be a nightmare.
2: Mm.
3: Definitely. So, given all that, <laughs> what is uh, what is the market like now for people trying to get into data related positions in Manchester or in the north of the UK?
1: Um, I'd say it's quite tricky just now. Um, I reckon maybe 12 to 18 months ago, there was a lot more positions and I suppose companies of start in that whole data journey, whereas I think now there's a lot of the same names. I'm sure the three of you will recognize most of them. Um, they're always kind of posting for jobs and I think the problem with some of those guys are is that it's the kind of trophy data scientist or the, I don't know, just the, the work's not incredibly interesting so how are they going to attract someone to move on um one of the things i'd thought about for this was um there's lots of companies who think they want data science skills and there's lots of people that think they want to be data scientists it's trying to kind of shuffle through that noise if you like and work out who is a data scientist or who's got the uh kind of capabilities to be one and or work in any sort of data role Um, and then what company is actually going to make use of those skills and not waste everyone's time or, I suppose, kind of lead them down the wrong path, if you like. Um, I I think it's especially important because I I speak to a lot of people who have just finished PhDs or master's courses or, or even just a whole career change into data analytics, and it's making sure they have, like, a decent start in that world. Otherwise, they're just going to go do something else or kind of be really resentful about the whole idea of being this kind of... A scientist which everyone kind of wants to have as a job title um, so you need to kind of get them off on the right foot and I think that's probably what's most challenging and it's not just a Manchester thing I think it's a UK thing um, but yeah so it's tricky in that respect um, and what companies are now demanding from data scientists is quite interesting as well they want a lot of they want a lot for maybe not enough yeah. money or even just kind of being realistic like if you're gonna hire someone with a couple of years experience and they need to have worked in some sort of commercial data science setting then you're probably gonna to have to pay for it. Mm. And you're gonna to have to be interesting enough work for them to leave. And clients will often come back to us and say that like, why can't you find anyone? And so there's loads of people but it's not interesting enough mm. or you're not paying enough or your interview process is too slow. Um, so as an education piece I think for clients recruiting so and candidates um, to get everyone kind of singing off the same hymn sheet if you like yeah it, it sounds like
0: both sides like the companies and the people are all suffering from like both overselling themselves and underselling themselves at the same time and they're only <laughs> happy when like you know every company is going to say we're trying to do the most impressive thing we're going to do because otherwise <laughs> no one can go but they're also like Like you say the data scientists are being naive because they're not aware that in some of these companies they're going in and trying to transform the whole business so it's like people are only going to be happy when they're both like perfectly matched but the whole like way recruitment works doesn't really fit into that because it's all about overselling your skills or perfectly describing your skills but also them perfectly describing the role when a lot of these companies don't really know what the role
3: is yet that's why that's when honesty is really appreciated isn't it Mm. from from both sides and the interview process should be for both parties and yeah. when, you're, when both are honest then everyone can end up happy <laughs> in <Isn't> an <it> ideal, <laughs> ideally.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the big thing with interviews or, or candidates would be that you should be asking questions around why did the last data scientist leave if that happened? If um, has happened? Well, yeah, have you ever had a data scientist? If not, why not? And why now? And if you have had someone and they've left, why did they leave? Like, was that a better opportunity or was it that you guys weren't ready for data scientists? Or if loads of people have left or if the team's really, really big, why do you need another one? And it's just making sure you know what the need is. And that's part of our job right at the start is kind of why does this company need someone? Um, because often we'll get the generic response and it's not just data, it's the IT. IT, would be. it's just growth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, we're just growing. You have to get headcount signed off by someone somewhere. So there has to be a project or a kind of product that needs to come to market, and or someone's left. And if they can't be honest about why that person's left, it would always raise a red flag for me. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. No, that's a good I think a lot of it comes as well, and I can say from my own personal experience. When I finished my PhD, I didn't understand the full breadth of skills that can be included is it, in data science role. Um,
3: or any data... Oh, sorry, data. Yeah, any data. Well, <laughs> well, any,
2: often the roles are described as data science, mm. but um, people wouldn't necessarily think of them as data science. Mm-hmm. So, everywhere from data um, data engineering to, um, to kind of data modelling, to data analysis, all the way to just almost just straight operations. Um, and when I was finishing my PhD, I was very much more interested in the modelling side, and I thought, okay, well, that's fine. Um, and that's me 10% of my job in that because it's all about um, actually getting something of value to where it needs to be and adding value to the whole organisation, Yeah, which is, again, well, it's very difficult for um, new candidates I think, to come out and say, okay, well, I've got these skills, I can, and these skills are very difficult to get, um, you know, I spend of time learning about um, modelling or whatever else. But, But then, just because and you don't have the entire skill set that somebody's looking for, that can be in part because they don't understand what they're looking for, and also because they don't understand how to add value as well. And you can, I mean, it's relatively easy to learn other skills um, comparatively.
1: So I think a lot of it is... I think there's a huge thing in data science is that people need to be open. Or even just, I think data engineering, data analysis, data science, even... Um, or any role along those lines, it's really important if someone's hiring someone with a PhD, for example, that they understand that that person has like a, a kind of heightened capability to learn because they've went down that path of data science. And if they've got a PhD in physics, then they will be a good data scientist. You just have to give them the time and the tools to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of firms fall into the trap of looking for commercial experience. It doesn't really mean anything. If you're doing a PhD, you're working with huge data sets. Um, one of the guys we work with, actually, he's, uh, he's got a degree in physics from St. Andrews, and he just said, when he explained it to me one day, that you can't help but work with loads of data in physics. Like, that's, that's, that's the job. So he totally got why like, that would segue really nicely into data, because you're already doing it, just with a different subject.
2: There's quite a few people who work who oh, have studied yeah. with Jeff and Bank, and when they talk about the kind of data that they're using, or the size of data, it's mammoth to me, I've never that anywhere near anything like that yeah. in the commercial world. So it's just, that side of it isn't that relevant. Kind of yeah. um, it's yeah.
1: whether or not you can apply the skills you have learned to the company, and I think you're missing a trick if you want a data scientist with three, four years experience when you could get somebody with a PhD who actually has a similar amount of experience because how long it takes to get to that level. Mm.
2: Um, and I think it could both ways as well, because there's plenty of people who don't, who can percent, yeah. Oh, um, but they don't need to be, um, you know, having the, the newest um, advanced techniques and knowledge of TensorFlow or artificial interns or whatever else, because um, there's lots of ways of adding value without doing that. Yeah.
3: So, do you have any uh, advice on, well, what is the interview process normally like, and then what is your advice, do you have any advice on to anybody who's applying for maybe their first role?
1: Yeah, um, so for the interview process it's a bit of a kind of minefield of a topic and something that we kind of fight back against quite a lot. Um, a lot of companies get confused and kind of forget that they aren't Google or Facebook, they're a small tech company in Manchester So. To compete with the kind of people we mentioned or alluded to earlier who are always looking for these skills, there's a certain degree of kind of speed and agility that they can offer, they should be able to offer that they often don't. Um, What I would say a kind of good interview process looks like more than likely some sort of kind of telephone call, Google Hangout type thing um, where the interviewer can go into more detail about what the company are doing. why they want a data scientist or a data engineer, um, a bit of a kind of overview of the team and then talk about your background but maybe not a huge amount of detail but just kind of get that you kind of know when you speak to someone if you get on with them, like it's quite an easy thing to kind of know it's relatively early, um, and then relatively quickly after that I'd always be looking for companies to bring that person into the office um, if possible, I mean, obviously it's not always possible, um, but I think it helps, um, and if they're, if they're really dead set on some sort of technical challenge, which I understand there's a need for in this line of work, potentially, um, then probably doing it in an interview. So having some sort of challenge, whether it be using a laptop and some real data or a kind of problem-solving exercise to see how this person's brain works, because you would hope at the level that you're being hired at, if you have a PhD or if you have commercial experience or some sort of kind of background in mathematics or something like that, then you should be able to do a lot of that stuff. Um, And it's more just how do you approach it on the job. A lot of technical tests can be relatively fake. Like it's not how your day-to-day work is. I mean, you'll jump on Google and find out how to do something. So it doesn't give you an indication. So yeah, trying to do something that was actually relative to the job. Um, But then again, having the interviewer selling the company and telling the candidate what's going on and um, it's such a competitive market that you really need to be on top of that so it's something we try and do a lot is kind of educate our clients and, and stop things being too convoluted um, and, and slow I think nothing puts a candidate off more than three weeks between feedback when they've taken two hours of their day to do a tech challenge it's just not it's not ideal um another thing you mentioned about kind of advice um If it is your first role in data, I would have examples of relevant work. So if you have done a physics degree of some description, kind of pulling out the parts where you've had to deal with huge amounts of data and turn it into something kind of interesting for some sort of stakeholder. Um, So you can use that as a business example, but also um, if you go to meetups or if you do kind of Kaggle challenges or you have a github where you've got some examples of your python or r or matlab i don't know can you do that on github can you put any, anything on it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. um so people can see how you actually approach coding i think it's quite important because a lot of the job is going to be using a programming language but i think most of the clients we work with aren't too fussed whether it's python R, C plus c it doesn't really make a huge difference it's their ability to do that well and then kind of change between languages if needed Um, so I think showing some sort of propensity to do that would be more important than just having a kind of jazzy looking CV with a huge covering letter about why you want to get into data. Um, I think some real examples would really help. Cool, Um,
3: yes as a disclaimer I was hired in my position Mm -hmm. (laughs) using uh, Liam was the recruiter involved in the hiring, my hiring for where I work now. And, um, <laughs> and it, it was, the, the time issue is really, is really great because I think from the first, my first communication with you to being offered and accepting the position was two weeks. yeah, And that was amazing. And um, there was several interviews with, uh, with the line manager um, over coffee, discussing approaches, experience to work. Um, what kinds of things I had done, what I was interested in doing and what the company were doing or wanted to do. So that gave me a good idea of like where the company was at and in terms of their data science and their, what they had with data and what the goal was in like a, a one year goal or a one to two years goal. So that put everything in perspective and so I really appreciate that. Um, we do have a salary question. Let's talk salaries, expectations and negotiations.
1: Okay. What do you mean by negotiation?
3: Negotiating negotiating salaries. So, like, how would you negotiate salaries, and what us? How would you negotiate a success? Successfully negotiate.
2: Yeah. Okay. Both a and yeah. So yeah.
1: I suppose in this, uh, I mean, one of the benefits of using a recruitment consultant from a candidate's point of view is that you can kind of have a more upfront, honest conversation about what you want, what you ideally want, and what's absolutely non-negotiable. And if you're working with a decent recruitment consultant, then that should all be kind of noted in a CRM, and you should just kind of know it. And when the client comes back with an offer of X, you're kind of going to get a feeling straight away if that's enough, or if the overall package is going to be good enough, Um, and that's where Kind of having someone in between that can uh, negotiate on your behalf, but also just offer a, a kind of touch of realism to both parties. Because I think sometimes candidates can be very guilty of saying they want to move, doing the three interviews, kind of almost believing their own hype a little bit, and then being really annoyed when they don't get twenty percent pay rise. Mm-hmm. It's not really how the world works. Not many people get twenty percent pay rises um, normally, uh, but. Clients as well need to realize that if someone is really, really good and they're in demand from other companies, and maybe they do want a, a bigger bump than what you'd maybe expect, there's probably a reason for it. So having someone that can explain why and also being relatively honest with both parties and that you're going to need to have some sort of wiggle room somewhere um, I think is quite important. Um, data science is one of those things where the demand has been crazy Manchester and the wide number as well um, for the last couple of years so people potentially think they should get more than the market is paying but also companies or bigger companies will start kind of blowing other people out of the water mm-hmm. and that's where we go back to what's your expectation if you spent five years doing a PhD and you want to do some really meaningful data work it's probably not going to be for a massive supermarket somewhere who happen to be paying 20 grand more than everyone else. Like yes, money is very, very important and let's not all pretend we don't go to work for money. <laughs> but if you wanna have a really good, successful career in data, then you should probably be looking at other things as well and then weighing all of those things up. Um, but as a kind of scale, and I don't know if the three of you would actually agree, but um, some sort of kind of entry level data role, I-, I would always be telling you know, people roughly to pitch between 25 and 30. Yeah um depending on where they've come from and what they're doing. Um anyone that's done kind of PhD, postdoc type work, um, roughly kind of thirty-five to forty, with some commercial experience, looking at anywhere between forty and fifty probably. And then some of the head of it just depends who you work for when you get to that level. Because it could sound grand being the head of data science, but you could be the only person. So you might have a really a salary reflect on that, or you could have a huge team. So um, you'd be well into the six figures so uh, I think again it's more about that work and not being the trophy data scientist would you rather have 35 grand and work on some really really interesting projects or 40 and be a trophy data scientist over the course of a year 5 grand's not it's not that big although it's significant yeah and I think that a kind of arg- not an argument but an issue we can have with clients is kind of someone asked for 42 and they got offered 40. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of things for a business two grand isn't a lot of money but for a single individual
3: maybe that is quite
1: a lot of money mm-hmm. and that's what they need to pay their mortgage and like their kids after school classes but for a business two grand over a year is like 100 grand a month or something like that like what, what difference is it going to make So, having someone in between can sometimes be quite helpful for that because sometimes it just takes us to say that to them um, to make them realize it's actually not that big a deal. Um, And if they want to get that person, they're going to have to do something. Mm. It does seem that
2: there's a variety of different um, salary levels and job expectations. There's a lot lot of people who are trying to get into data science at the moment. And there are a lot of opportunities, but it seems like there aren't as many people in more senior positions
1: yeah. just because five um, years or whatever. There were very, very few data owners involved. Yeah. Well, I think I, I look at Peak as an example. Um, so where we are just now, they had no data scientists about three years ago. I can't remember. So the first meeting I ever had with Peak, there was a director uh, or the CEO. And a relatively new HR manager and they had no data scientists but they knew kind of where they wanted to go. So we found them their first quite a lot, a few data scientists, and now well, three of them are now in pretty senior positions. But that's because they've been here for two and a half, three years now. So I think in the coming I don't know, six to eighteen months, there'll be a lot more data scientists on the market with kind of that holy grail commercial experience because they've now been in a business, for example Peak or anyone else, where they've done something for two or three years now and maybe they're ready for that new challenge or whatever it might be, but that's just a time thing, like you said, because five years ago there wasn't 500 people called data scientists in Manchester it was something else Um, so yeah I I think that will really help Um, but only if the opportunities are going to be interesting enough for
2: yeah, And all those
1: issues will not be the same.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely rules um, out and down for, like, nice enough money, but it's not fit for my, what I think my career progression would uh, benefit from, and what my lifestyle would be. I'm not a big fan of, you know, being on site 9 to 5, so I'll definitely take some of those out a bit more remote work in the 9 to 5, uh, and that's a big deal for me.
1: Yes, probably yeah. oh, could do a whole other podcast on the yeah. kind of yeah. benefits of... Working or flexibility. Yeah,
3: um, flexibility these days is. For the, job, for
1: the job the three of you do, it makes no sense to me that you'd ever have to be in an office, really.
3: really cool. Because time,
1: time to time, yeah. you might see people, and the CFO or the marketing director, maybe that's the only time you get face to face with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and a job like the one I do, a lot of it is uh, there's a kind of environment to it in, in the office, so it's like it's kind of busy, it's, there's a bit of a buzz around it, whereas if I were from home, I just get tempted to to like stick the TV on or like play FIFA or something. Whereas for a job like what you do, that kind of quiet and ability to get things done somewhere comfortable to you, yeah, it's one of those things I don't get from a software development point of view or a a data point of view There should be a couple of days from home or pretty relaxed kind of working hours. I mean, I I appreciate some people would just uh,
2: abuse that, but. You don't want those people anyway. Exactly, exactly. If you don't trust people to uh, to work, then why are you trusting them to
3: deliver and build, build an entire product? So
1: yeah, and if you can build an entire product in two hours and it would take me nine,
2: then you
1: yeah. probably want the person that can do it in two Yeah.
3: Probably. Well, I mean, it depends on why. Why mm-hmm. can they do it in two hours? Yeah. Is because they're ignoring all the yeah, cutting corners. <laughs> yeah complexity of the problem? They're just putting in a, pl- a plug and play solution that's not relevant for the company. I mean, I personally have, like the routine, I need routine. Yeah, I, me too. I, so I like to go into work and see the people and I like to discuss um, uh, discuss any issues or have, if I have any questions, I like to go to the person face-to-face and then have like, you know, what is this piece of data in the database? <laughs> Where can I find this? And what does this mean? Um, so I can solve the problems I've been given.
2: It does come back to what we're mentioning about uh, to do data science effectively, yeah. almost always communication is an important
3: part. No matter what 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 you use to communicate with us—remote, Slack, Google Hangouts, or first days, or email, or whatever—you
2: yeah. just got yeah. to make sure it works. For you, mm. Which is
1: a whole challenge. So
3: yeah, yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah, Joe and I were talking about Slack almost yeah. becoming like a cull. <laughs> and you don't just go next door and speak to the fellow data scientist or like manager like they're sitting three seats alone just can slack away in some ways
3: though having it written down as a record yeah is good that's true you can refer back to it or you can prove that you asked if, you know whatever you need to do is, is as a record it's quite it can be quite useful
1: yeah
3: but also speaking face to face is sometimes better
2: and always quicker always quicker yeah, yeah. can you right now Okay, so I think we've uh, reached have end of our questions, um, and we're off to MacML in half an hour. Or mm. Yeah, so i excited about that. Um, anything you want
1: to say about MacML, Ian? Uh, yeah. Uh, I just want people to come along to it. We kind of <laughs> undersell and um, It's turned into a bit of like a, a, a beast of a, an event.
3: Where did you start it?
1: Honestly, uh, <laughs> Eric started it. And he, Eric is. Um, he's now the head of data science at Um So Eric Matheson. He had a startup that um, a Manchester tech incubator brought him and his business partner in, um, and helped them with starting the company. And um, so he always kind of wanted to give back something to Manchester. And um, so he. Did it so he could come back and see a lot of people that helped him and do a tech meetup about something he was passionate about. Um, so I was introduced to him by a, a mutual connection and we just got on really well. Um, we initially kind of just said we would help sponsor it but with Eric being in London and running a startup and now being the head of data science at a different startup, he doesn't have a huge amount of time uh, so we've kind of just worked together and, and helped set it up and the, the reason I do it is just to find out more stuff about data science in Manchester. That um,
3: community?
1: Yeah, I, I like speaking to the people that I've helped find jobs. I mean, most of the data scientists that I've worked with have spoken at one of their events, which is amazing, um, or if not, their companies. Um, and yeah, it just gives, it changes my job up as well. I'm not having to sit in the office all day. I can come out and meet people, and um, it's, it's work if you like, but not really. Um, so yeah, no, it's been really good. Um, but we always need kind of venues, speakers. Um, people that are interested otherwise there's no point so yeah if anyone wants to reach out and um, I think we'll post yeah. links to everything yeah, yeah reach, out to be- us, so reach out to us or reach out to kind associates directly or main
0: email or anything Yep, maybe links in
3: the show notes, right?
0: Yeah, I guess so. <coughs> yeah. There's not many show notes for this one. So. There was many no technology being thrown out like,
3: in five yeah. minutes. I yeah, I spoke at the last one and it was super fun.
1: The best talk ever, according to <laughs> some people. Yeah. Good talk. And there's also a follow up for the first time ever yes. tonight. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Or whenever this gets posted. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Steve Miller is following up Jen's yeah. talk, which He's is really, is really
3: interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's on agent based models and the new ones. Into this? Yeah. We can put you in this, uh, talk <laughs> in the show notes. I have to I have to publish it first. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, if you're interested
2: in talking at Mankamel or even Pyrex, so, you know, whichever you the like. Both, yeah. Both ideally, definitely uh, get in touch. Yeah, we have a speaker form which will be in the show notes,
0: oh, yes. so I'll put that in. Uh, thank, thank you very much, Liam, thank for you coming oh, thank you. all the way down to Manchester just for the podcast and That's not true. for Mankamel, which is tonight. <laughs> and uh, thanks to Cathcart for sponsoring. And off-cut. peak for hosting us. And Peak for hosting us. <laughs>
3: Thanks, yes. everyone. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>